Get over here! Welcome to Award Winners. I'm your co-host, John, joined by my toasty co-combatant, David. It's our night at the Oscars where we watch Oscar-winning movies while we enjoy Oscar Meyer wieners. But we throw all of that into the pit as we go to Outworld to participate in the generational tournament for the realm, Mortal Kombat. David and John proudly present to you the celebration of American culinary and cinematic pop culture. It's a Dave, what's going on? I'm ready to fight! I'm a big fan of the original Mortal Kombat. And when I found out that they were going to do a remake, John, I know you are a huge fan, so I thought it'd be good to have you talk about something that you are really excited about. I enjoy the franchise, probably just because it's ridiculous. I've completed all of the MK video games. This includes the non-fighting games. I watched the Mortal Kombat Conquest TV show when it originally aired. I enjoy a good fatality. Dave, what about you? I have played the first three games. I played the fourth one, but it wasn't my jam. And I took a break until Deadly Alliances, and I've played 10 and 11. But I am not a huge MK fan. I would actually think I'm more of a Street Fighter person. I didn't have the original Mortal Kombat on my game system when I was growing up. All I had was Street Fighter, so I just played it over and over and over. Last night, I played the the original Mortal Kombat. It's fun, and then I played the second one, and I got really mad because <laughs> it's impossibly hard. They say Shao Kahn is like a cheater, basically, when you get to the end of three. It's not even fun. Oh! I like Mortal Kombat. I'm not an expert on it. I'm leaning on you because you know much more about this game. I have not beaten the the games I do own with multiple characters. Usually I just like play it until I get bored and then move on to something else. Yeah, I would say that's how it is more recently. But back in the day, definitely went through it with all the characters. We spent a lot of time in college playing Mortal Kombat. I remember playing... There was Shaolin Monks. That was the one. You and I played that together a lot. <laughs> I think we beat that, yeah. We did. We, we played Deadly Alliance because I was always Shang Tsung and you were Scorpion. And I only knew like one moveset. I couldn't do any other moves or any other characters but Shang Tsung, so I couldn't change out of that character. <laughs> you pick a character and you stick with it. Yeah, hopefully that character's good. It's not me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm not a huge fan. I, I am a fan of the original movie, though, so I'm excited to talk about that movie. All right, so Dave, give us a quick background on what Mortal Kombat is. You know, what's the story? How did it start? So it is a media franchise created by Ed Boon and John Tobias that predominantly centers on a series of fighting video games. The original video game was released in 1992. It is known for its violence, especially its gory finishing moves, a.k.a. Fatality. Fatality. It also has an extremely deep lore, I would say more so than most video games, especially fighting video games at that. Mortal Kombat lore is probably one of the most retconned pieces of fiction that have ever existed. They go back and change characters' alliances and then add new things a lot. I think it's mostly to appease fans to be like, oh, our fans actually love this character. Let's try to make them good. 
I think Scorpion is probably a good example of that. And even Sub-Zero. I was reading how the creators said that when they first released it and licensed the material, they didn't have like a book that says what people could and couldn't do with the license. People were just like making up backgrounds and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's obvious. Like if yeah. you watch any of the official media, you're like, hmm, this is very different than where things are now. It's a little sloppy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would also say that uh, Mortal Kombat, along with a game called Night Trap, led to the 1993 Congressional Hearing on Violence in Video Games, and subsequently the creation of the Entertainment Software Ratings Board. So essentially a bunch of video game developers got together and started rating their own games because if they didn't, the government was going to come in and take control of Film ratings, but for video games. Do you remember this? I remember it vaguely. I saw a documentary on it not too long ago, so my memory has been refreshed. Do I remember this? No. I used to work in a video game store in college. So lots of kids having discussions with their parents about video game reviews and some angry parents coming in being like, you sold my kid Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, he had your credit card and you were sitting in the car. He's, you know, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> don't let your kids buy these games then. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not, I'm not responsible for policing your child. I kind of remember there was a whole like, cultural freak out about violence in, in video games and violence in music and violence on TV at that point. And it was a cultural wedge to probably drive elections. Yeah. There's always like someone that's up in arms about something. Super violent video game. I do remember the first couple of times I played it, I was like, this is so amazing. Look at all this blood. I still have that reaction today. Because <laughs> the fatalities and stuff have gotten even more ridiculous. It's silly. It's meant to be. I think that's an undercurrent of this game that people don't always get. That it's like... um, It's over the top. It's meant to be... Sam Raimi-ish. Yeah. That's like one of the things that's in the series. Like It like has all these dark elements, but it is funny. It's like so over the top that it's kind of hilarious. I think the movie we're going to talk about, one of them captures that really well, but one doesn't. (laughs) Uh, Uh, mm, Yeah. Okay. So Dave, who is your go-to character when you play Mortal Kombat? I think that depends on the game. So when I was young and playing the first one, I was Raiden. I was all into Raiden because I could do his move. I couldn't do anyone else's move. (laughs) His like back, back, forward dash thing or the down, up, teleport. (laughs) The dash thing, because I couldn't really do anything else, so I, I was always raided. Later on, I got really into Jax. Gotcha! This is going to really destroy my cred. I beat the third game with Striker, who I still think is a fun character. <laughs> you like his little baton sweep? I beat the game, beat Shao Kahn with him for the first time, and I used the sweep. He's the only character I remember being able to do anything with. Like, if I had to fight someone, I'm getting Striker. <laughs> so just for you kiddos out there, that was considered the cheapest cheap move <laughs> that Dave was doing over and over, where Striker dashes across the screen and, like, sweeps the leg, basically. <laughs> yep, but it's a win's a win. Striker wins. But moving on, I ended up being um, Shang Tsung, because uh, I really liked his crane stance in Alliance. Like, yeah, just like the way it looked, and then I ended up just getting really obsessive about figuring all his combos out. It was like a 12-point combo or something. It was really yeah. crazy. <laughs> was uh, Alliance the one where you had three different types of combat stances you could switch between? I think so. Or you you pulled out a weapon or something? I can't remember. How about you? I typically played Scorpion from probably Mortal Kombat 2 forward. You know, kind of like you with your Raiden thing. He kind of had some simple moves that were powerful. He had an air throw, so he could capture you in the air if you jumped up at me. And then you could teleport and had a cheap stun move with his spear. 
Would you say Scorpion is the main character? Like, that's the character everyone likes the most. Probably that and Sub-Zero, I feel like. Those are probably the most recognizable characters. Probably Raiden, too. Yeah, those are probably the most recognizable characters in the game. I like Liu Kang, but he ha- he suffers from a uh, generic protagonist syndrome a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's totally the Ryu of the game. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Are you ready to jump into the first movie? Round one, fight! Mortal Kombat, 1995. Dave, first before we dive into this, when did you first see this movie? I saw it in theaters in 1995. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was so excited to see this movie Let's get into it. So Mortal Kombat is a once-in-a-generation fighting tournament between the representatives of the realms of Earth and Outworld. If Outworld wins Mortal Kombat 10 consecutive times, its immortal emperor can invade and conquer Earth. At the start of the film, Outworld has won nine consecutive tournaments. An evil sorcerer, Shang Tsung, leads Outworld's forces in the tournament. And there's three martial artists. That's Shaolin monk Liu Kang, Hollywood star Johnny Cage, and military officer Sonya Blade are taken to a mysterious island to participate in the tournament. Along the way, the Thunder God Raiden, played by Christopher Lambert, tells them that one of them is going to win the tournament. Each have their own reasons for participating. Liu Kang wants to avenge his brother's death at the hands of Shang Tsung. Johnny Cage... Uh, Johnny Cage wants to prove that he's a real martial artist. And Sonya Blade wants to avenge the death of her partner by fellow fighter Kano. During the tournament, Johnny Cage kills Scorpion, defeats current champion Goro, and proves that he's a real martial artist. Sonya Blade snaps Kano's neck. Lu necks. He has multiple of them. Uh, <laughs> Luke Kang defeats Shang Tsung, and then he accepts his role as the chosen one. The movie ends with the Outworld Emperor attacking Earth. Just so everyone realizes, when this movie came out, several video game movies had come out previously. That was with Super Mario Brothers and Double Dragon and Street Fighter. So the ex- expectations were really low. No one thought this would be very good. Reviewers really praised the fight choreography and the special effects and noted that it was fun. But they also said that the plot was inane and the acting was wooden. This is one of those movies where critics... Probably, I would say middling, thought it was middling, and then audience typically liked it. Even at the time, as a 12-year-old, I recognized that this was a shitty movie. (laughs) I walked out of the movie theater being like, what the hell? Now, is it fun? Yes, I enjoyed it. Is it good? No, it's really not. (laughs) But it has moments, and it's it's actually pretty good for a video game adaptation. I love this movie, John. I non ironically love this movie. It is incredibly campy. It goes for it. It tries to go so over the top with the music, just the gags. I really, really like it. I do know that it's it's not a great, quote, movie, but it is a good experience. It kind of lucked its way into that. The two main actors who played Liu Kang and Johnny Cage in this movie, they reunite for a small interview. They are like buddies. They've been friends since this movie filmed, and they hang out like once a month. <laughs> That's awesome. They just get along really well. So that's kind of cool. But it's also interesting just to hear their stories. And in the stories, the actor who played Johnny Cage, Lyndon Ashby, he ad-libbed almost every single memorable line from the movie, including the $500 sunglasses asshole one. The reason this movie has any humor to it is because this dude was just ad-libbing all the time. <laughs> and Paul W.S. Anderson was like, yeah, this yeah, is like, keep it. Keep it. This is like my first big movie. Yeah. It wasn't his first movie, but it was his first big movie. <laughs> so the reason that this has that humor in it is just because some dude was ad-libbing. It wasn't intentional. And that's probably why the second Mortal Kombat movie sucks so hard. And there's no humor. This movie treats the fighting significantly differently than the remake. Everyone in the in this one 
can fight other than Sonya Blade. <laughs> and, and there's a reason behind that. There's a reason behind she can't. It, well, let's just talk about that. So, I mean, yeah. originally Cameron Diaz was cast in the role, but she broke her wrist in training. And this person was sort of a last moment replacement and she didn't have any fight training. When you say that the cinematography for the fighting was a little bit different, I think it's true. Listening to the director's commentary. The producer's commentary. The producer's commentary. They very intentionally gave each fighter their own style of martial art. And then they said they went back and did reshoots to show some of the action better. And you can see that. So they really did care about that. And I think that's why this movie works in certain ways. It's got a weird sense of humor, which is largely (laughs) the ad-libbing. It's got the fighting, which isn't bad. The special effects were pretty good for its time. And the story actually makes sense. You can follow the story. I could put it in front of my mom, who does not like these kind of movies. And she could probably follow it through to the end and be like, okay, I get what happened here. There's an internal arc for all the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that's the, the remake, again, is is extremely lacking. While we're on this, like, what is your favorite fight for the for this one? <laughs> maybe the Goro one, just because it's okay. kind of silly. And, okay. Or maybe Art. Remember Art? Just Art like, Lean. Art Lean. He just dies. Yeah. And that's kind of sad. I hope they bring him back in a video game. That'd be hilarious. Um, he should. He should be a hidden character. Here's my favorite things. Robin, sh- you said show you? I guess so. I don't know. A Robin. We'll call him Robin. Liu Kang. Liu Kang is a legit martial artist, stunt stunt person. Um, and he choreographed two fights in this movie. The scorpion fight and the reptile fight. My favorite fight is the scorpion fight with Johnny Cage. I love how it starts in one place in this like really cool looking forest and then descends into hell. And it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous <laughs> as they fight. And then I like the Liu Kang versus Reptile one because it looks brutal. Like those guys are really, really fast and they're both exceptional martial artists. Uh, I should say that Lyndon Ashby is a boxer, was a was a boxer. Um, mm-hmm. So he had some you know training, but he wasn't a, a black belt in anything. He did start martial arts training for this film. Just a note on the Scorpion scene. The guy who played Liu Kang talked Lyndon Ashby into doing some of his own stunts, and he got kind of seriously hurt. <laughs> yeah, he got kicked in the ribs. He <laughs> yeah. like bruised his liver or something. Yeah, <laughs> but it looks great though. That like that whole thing is amazing. And yeah. and the producers are talking about how it took them seven to ten days to shoot the um, scorpion fight because they just had to set everything up. There was multiple different actors for different segments of the fight. In that fight, there's someone who's like doing flips on a bar. So they had to bring a gymnast in and put get them in this costume. <laughs> it's just wild. Just to set the scene for this, think of it as scaffolding kind of set up randomly in a, in a giant room. And they're moving between levels. And the scaffolding intersects itself in different ways. So there are like these multiple levels of people being thrown down from level to level. And people moving between levels and things like that. Which is why it's this really complex scene to shoot. Other things I want to talk about with this film. Talk about the director. So the director is Paul W.S. Anderson. He's essentially Hollywood's video <laughs> game director. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's <laughs> how you could describe it. Let's hit the highlights. It's this movie. It's Event Horizon. Um, it's Resident Evil. He didn't do all the Resident Evils, but he was involved in all of them. And then there's the Monster Hunter. So like he's Hollywood's video game guy. What I like about him is that he's extremely non-pretentious. When you read interviews with him, he's he says things like, I'm just making a popcorn movie. He's like, I'm not thinking about trying to really nail the critics. I want audiences to have a good time in the theater. And I, I really appreciate that. Is this his best movie? I don't know, John. When was the last time you saw Event Horizon? 
also when I was probably like 13 years old. <laughs> I watched it and prepped for this podcast. Yeah. Okay. I like it. It's a cult movie. It's it's still very odd. It's a haunted house movie in space. Because I had this thought in my head. I was like, I think Event Horizon is a better movie than Mortal Kombat 95. Honestly, I think Mortal Kombat 95 is better. <laughs> in my opinion, this Mortal Kombat is probably the best video game adaptation we've seen. And I agree. I do think this is the best video game movie. What do you think is like the top three video game adaptations, actually? I liked the latest Tomb Raider movie. I thought it was pretty good. Sonic's like the number one grossing video game movie i did not um, see that so I, I i could not say it does an exceptional job of capturing the sonic video game and like what it felt like to be a preteen when you were waiting to be a teenager it's not a great movie but i had a good time with it to be fair though that was because carrie was the dr robotnik and it was so good to see him like just like really over the top roles actually i thought the doom movie was okay oh yeah yeah the rock early rock Street Fighter is actually kind of fun also as a movie. Like, it's not great, but... <laughs> that, that movie's really bad, John. <laughs> but it's it's cheesy. Fun. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was also, like, 15, so... <laughs> I guess maybe this might be the best video game movie ever. I don't know. It's definitely in the, the top three. I'm going to put it that like, I think that's solid. I really, I really like it. Is this the best movie soundtrack ever? It's a damn good one. The score, just to make that clear, is different than the soundtrack. Okay. The soundtrack has like great collection of techno electronica from the time. The song that runs in the credits is this orbital song, Halcyon. It's probably one of my favorite songs of all time. And I, this might have been the first time I'd ever heard it. I confused them with um, Inya at the end of the credits. And I was like, oh, this song's great. And I looked up Inya and I was like, oh, I'm so wrong. <laughs> Not even close. But... It's a great soundtrack. If you like electronic music, even today, I feel like if you went back and listened to it, you'd probably know most of the songs on there and maybe even like the soundtrack still. The producers were talking about the soundtracks and how they were like trying to like figure out how they could sell more and license it. And then they decided just pick whatever was the best audio accompaniment to each fight. That's a great idea because it it made the whole film work together. What didn't feel chunky. Yeah, it worked. It worked. I asked our audience what questions or what things they want us to talk about in this. So first off, they asked, is MK the best video game movie? We answered that. Probably yes. Uh, (laughs) The other one is, is this movie only good because we saw it when we were kids? Yes. I mean, partially it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. We just watched it again in the last couple weeks. I would actually say it's watchable and the plot makes sense. I don't think I, I didn't pick up on the humor when I watched it the first time. I think as a kid in the theater, I do not remember it being particularly funny. There are some good lines in there that are kind of ridiculous, and the camp comes through. It's fun. Even yeah. adults our age would appreciate it. I don't think our parents would appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of it has to come from being really into this movie as a kid. You're right. Should people watch it today? I would say yes. I would also say that the graphics are... They don't hold up all that well. <laughs> they look like something that's on sci-fi 10 years ago. But like, it's still good. Like Again, you can follow the storyline. It's much simpler. Everyone has a clear arc. It's really funny, especially Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage steals the show. It's, it's him ad-libbing. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it, okay, so is this a good film? No, it's not. Is it watchable and can you enjoy it? Yeah, if you have no expectations, you can throw it out of the background and you'd probably think it's okay. Awesome. Uh, 
Our audience also want to know, was the Christopher Lambert casting weird? Not really. I mean, he was in Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> he's a weird dude. He, he has a weird sense of humor. Uh, he's a B-movie guy. I do think it's a little weird having an Irish dude play uh, um, play Raiden. Well, Raiden can take whatever form he wants. You know, he's an elder god. So, you know, I guess I don't know if that really matters. But he's great. I'm really happy he's in it because he, he plays Raiden with this very funny wry sense of humor like almost on the edge of being maniacal because he laughs at weird things all the time <laughs> yeah it's not the raiden from the game <laughs> this is a whole different no. character no. <laughs> okay thoughts on the sequel i just had it on a second ago before we started this to try to remember what i thought of it and i actually think it's really hard to watch i probably got about 35 minutes of it in I think they tried to do too much, which is where it failed. They're just like every character that ever existed. We're going to jam it in here. And they also recast some characters, which I did not like the recasting of Raiden being one of them. Are we going to talk about the the initial like misstep? How they is... kill Johnny Cage immediately? Yeah. Yeah. You take the best character from the first movie and kill him in the first five seconds. Okay. I've talked about this story on the podcast before, but... Mortal Kombat Annihilation has a, has a significant history in my film life. It is the first movie I ever watched where I realized movies could be bad. As an extension from that, I like sort of marked the beginning of the end of my childhood. So I'm watching this movie. I was like, oh, God, they make bad things. Someone could take something I love and screw it up. <laughs> I can't just accept something anymore. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm never going to forget this movie no matter how old I am. <laughs> Like, across the board, doesn't make any sense. You're just like, yeah. what is happening in this movie? All right, anything else you want to add, Dave? No, do you want to do some some interesting production notes? Yeah, if you've got something that you want to toss out, let's do it. Just so everyone understands, John and I listened to the producer's commentary. Here's the thing with that. The producer's commentary was only released on a Laserdisc, but it's available on YouTube. <laughs> so a lot of this comes from that. I found it an interesting listen. Um, I so synced it up. You like, synced it? Good for you, man. I, did, I wasn't going to do that. I just said some points that they made that I thought were pretty interesting. <laughs> they worked very closely with the ratings board to make sure they didn't get an R rating. And basically what they found out was if you showed a human dying, you were going to get an R rating. So they did everything possible not to show a human die. And then they would show like Goro being killed instead. <laughs> so Kano had his neck snap. Art died. Sing Sean got thrown through some spikes. Did those not count? But they didn't show it happen. They showed the the, the they showed after it happened. So like when Kano gets neck snapped, I believe they were focusing on Sonya's face. They didn't show Sang Song actually being pierced by the blade. Like you saw it actually happen on screen, that would be the R rating. I see. Okay. Which is a it seems like silly. such a Yeah, it's so silly. I was like, I'm like, okay. Okay. Uh and here's another little little tidbit. So in the movie, after Johnny Cage kills Scorpion, uh, he throws an autograph onto the ground next to him. Uh, they filmed that bit as a joke, and they liked it so much they kept it in. I'm really glad they did, because it opens up a wide possibility of, of, of why Johnny Cage would have an autograph of himself <laughs> at all times. He did in the video games. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, like, oh my god. Like, how arrogant do you have to be to, like, I have this uh, autograph I'm going to give you after I whoop your ass? <laughs> okay. Well, let's give this movie an award. Uh, drum roll. Finish him. John, what, what's, what's the award? 
I would give the soundtrack a flawless victory. Mm, that's a what good about award. you? I'm going to give it best video game adaptation. I love this movie, John. I really, really love this movie. I actually listened to a podcast from some people I really respect, and they were ragging on this movie, and I was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Your opinion is different than mine. Shut your mouth. You have shitty opinions. Yeah. <laughs> what made it worse was is that they liked 21 and they didn't like 95. How old are these people? Uh, they're our age. Really? One's like two or three years older. But yeah. Let's move into the 2021. Round two. Fight. In the 17th century, Hanzo Hisashi and his family are attacked by Bihan a warrior who can generate and manipulate ice. Hanzo fights valiantly, but is killed. The only survivor of the attack on Hanzo's clan is his young daughter. In modern times, we meet a washed-up MMA fighter named Cole Young. Uh, After being attacked by Bihan, who now goes by Sub-Zero, Cole discovers that he is one of Earth's champions and destined to participate in Mortal Kombat, a martial arts tournament that will decide the fate of the world. Should Earth's forces lose this tournament, Outworld will conquer Earth. Even worse, Outworld is cheating by trying to kill Earth's champions before the tournament can start. Cole finds Sanctuary at Lord Raiden's temple where he trains to unlock his arcana, which is his special abilities, basically. Here, he's joined by his fellow champions, Kano, Sonya Blade, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, and Jax, who also have this little arcana ability. Eventually, Kano betrays the Earth Realm, and a bunch of fights happen between these forces. In the climax, Cole summons the spirit of his ancestor Hanzo, who now goes by Scorpion, to defeat Sub-Zero. Also, we find out his power is to get a silly suit of armor. Dumbest (laughs) Mortal Kombat power ever. This movie ends with Cole heading to Hollywood to find more champions, and they tease out Johnny Cage to train for the next tournament. Dave, what was the critical response to this movie? Critical reception has been wild. Uh, Reviews are mixed with most people praising the special effects and martial arts, but noting that the script, acting, and lead are poor quality. Almost universally, reviews are saying that this movie is clearly for Mortal Kombat fans. Professional critics seem to think it's mid-length or don't like it to audiences loving it. Yeah, yeah. So let's just get right into this. Uh, I don't want to tease this out. This movie's terrible. It's horrible. It's awful. (gasps) Everything about it is a mistake there isn't actually a mortal Kombat tournament that takes place so this takes place prior to a tournament with the worst acting saying showing ever trying to stop the tournament from starting also they chucked all the lore to do something new and introduce this character as a lazy plot device to explain to us what is happening in this universe which is this cole character cole young I think I'm on board with everything you're saying here. Like what I really struggled with this movie was that it felt like a series of cutscenes with no interconnective tissue. And then honestly, I don't think the fight scenes were that good. I think there's a couple that stand out. There's the first 10 minutes essentially are this movie are kind of fun. And then it like quickly goes down real fast. But what's happening is like, there's this like CGI soup everywhere and you can't really tell what's happening with who's doing what. And they're all re- relying on special powers and I'm watching a Mortal Kombat movie for a lot of martial arts and a tiny bit of special powers, not all special powers. I agree with you that the first 10 minutes of the movie, which is watching Scorpion and Sub-Zero duke it out, is enjoyable. They released that prior to the movie coming out to drum up some interest for the film. And having watched that footage, I was like, oh, you know, this could be fun. You know, I'm not expecting a lot from the plot or anything like that. But that, that's it. That's like the best part of the whole movie. Just watch that 10 minutes, which is probably online, and then don't bother with the rest. 
I was actually into this movie all the way up through the Jax versus Sub-Zero fight. And then after that, it just quickly dropped hill, dropped downhill. And in my notes, I literally have a note that says, <laughs> Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Nothing says Mortal Kombat like Gary, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, man. This, this is this is wild. And this is one of the bigger disappointments I've had in a long time with films. Um, because I was really looking forward just to a popcorn movie. What I was hoping for would be another film that was in the vein of, of Godzilla vs. Kong, like really big and dumb and kind of enjoyable. But this felt like it took itself too seriously. And that's even with a character whose entire point of being in the movie is to be the butt of everyone's joke. I agree. Just getting back to this Sub-Zero Scorpion fight where Sub-Zero or someone in Sub-Zero's clan kills Scorpion's family. We've seen this four or five times in video games, in animated movies, in other places. We're rehashing the same thing over and over. This is not for the fans. The fans have seen this. Give us something new or different. I don't need to see this again. It's like, oh, great. Why don't you tell me the Batman's origin story again? His parents die. Falls down a well. There's bats. <laughs> You're like, I don't need to fucking see that again. We know this. Give us something new. Yeah, this feels like the, the studio was trying to hit multiple different audiences. So the Cole Young character is clearly a surrogate to get people into the film. They're like, you don't understand the mythos of Mortal Kombat. Okay, this guy is going to walk you through it. Raiden can do yes, that for Raiden us. Raiden can like do anyone that. Anyone can do that but for us. The problem us. with Cole Young is that he has no chemistry, no interesting powers, no interesting story. I was thinking about it last night because I watched this movie again. I was so baffled by this movie, John, that I watched it a second time, which is nuts. I don't recommend doing it. And the thing that's that's really crazy with me is that I have I listen to these reviewers and I read a lot of reviews and people I respect like this movie a lot. And I am way of the opposite opinion. And here's why I was thinking about it. He has no internal arc. And so he's portrayed as an underdog, but there's no point at which he's like, he has a conversation or says like, I can't do this. Even though I have this special arcana power somewhere, I can't fight in this tournament. I'm not good enough. And that's sort of the same for all the characters. They don't have a point at which they change or learn or grow. All these moments are sort of hinted at, but they're ill-defined. Like for example, Liu Kang. Liu Kang's story arc, if you like really squint at it, is he doesn't believe he's good enough to participate in the tournament and Kung Lao is the person who's going to win. So when Kung Lao dies, he thinks the world is fucked because he's not good enough to fight in the tournament. I had to like two watches and really pull that out. And it's not very clear. And Cole Young, but I mean, Cole Young's thing is like, he's an underdog and what else? Like he, he just gets pulled into this fight. Sorry, Cole Young is vanilla ice cream without vanilla. Why do we need to introduce a new character when we have, would you say, 60 Mortal Kombat characters? I think there's 80. From? I think it's higher. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why you need to do that. They want to bring in a new audience. They want to bring people who, who are like, oh, I don't want to play a video game, so this guy's going to walk me in. But it's a bad decision. Like This is why it's not for the fans. <laughs> how upset were you that they, there wasn't actually a tournament? Not that upset, but the, the movie sucks. <laughs> so, it could have been interesting. An interesting plot point. I actually even think that's kind of a daring move to be like, you know what? This is Mortal Kombat. It's all about a tournament. We're not even going to have the tournament. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's pretty ballsy. But it doesn't work out because 
we hardly get anything at all like anything that feels substantive or interesting yeah. and to be fair only like the first three model of combat games actually have tournaments <laughs> like <laughs> yes then and then there's just invasions of yeah Ryan. i mean luke kang wins all three he's the immortal immortal champion or something or thrones immortal champion I got dragged pretty hard online on our on our reviews because I said that this movie had no story. It was just a bunch of action scenes that were strung together. And they were like, why, why would you go into a Mortal Kombat movie expecting a storyline and plot? And here's the thing. And I said this up top. Mortal Kombat has the most deep mythos and lore and story development of probably any fighting game out there. It is integral to the game itself. There's a reason there are story modes in that game. All right. I am right in expecting to be some type of story. I I mean, I agree with you, but most movies should have a narrative arc that explains some basic things. And you can go back and be like, okay, here's, you know, part A, part B, climax, conclusion. We don't really get that. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing that ties this all together. All right. So we've been ragging on this movie pretty hard. I do want to pull out some some things I did enjoy. I was glad that this movie was R-rated. Because we got to see some fatalities. I liked when Jax clapped his hands to kill Riku. Here's another problem. Like, I don't know these villains. I know they're from, like, Mortal Kombat 4. Yeah, why pick obscure characters from the least popular of the entire Mortal Kombat franchise? Because you can kill them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, he has no line. Riku has literally zero, zero sentences. I was just going to say, like, fatality-wise, some of the special effects are good. Freezing Jax's arms and snapping them off is kind of fun, I guess. But yes, some of them are in the game exactly as how they were portrayed, but it's like, it just doesn't translate to the screen. Well, here, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if you play the game and you see these movies in the game, like, what are you expecting when you see them in the theater? Like, they're both CGI. I guess, but what they tried to do is make the, the movie realistic. Like, Melina seemed to be like a tamer version, more realistic version of herself. And they did that with a bunch of the characters. Like, they tried to make things more real. When you add a ridiculous over-the-top fatality, like Kung Lao's spinning saw hat thing into the movie, this doesn't work because everything else is so serious and they try to make it realistic. Adding that in doesn't seem to fit. You're saying that the fatalities work because the video games exist in a hyper real world where everyone is exaggerated. They did not exaggerate enough in this movie to make the fatalities function. It just doesn't even fit in a world that where everything is serious and suddenly you have got a corny fatality. Like it doesn't work. I laughed so, so hard, John, when they gave Jax those tiny little wimpy robot arms and he's he's like trying to punch and can't do anything oh it's so it's so funny and but here's the thing it's unintentionally funny they weren't doing that on purpose i was just laughing because it was dumb i was trying to figure that out with this movie i'm like was there humor in there somewhere i mean kano is the the levity of the movie i feel like they try to get raiden to give some zingers and somehow it doesn't come across as funny you know other than kano where is like the fun in the movie I, I don't think there's a lot of it. I think that's a really big miss because the Mortal Kombat series is, as much as violence it is, it's it's really funny. It's absurdist. That's like what makes it partly good is because you're just like, what are they going to do next? I can't believe they're going to try this. Saying fatality after killing someone isn't funny. It's, <laughs> it's like lazy. But what about the multiple leg sweep? <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it was that, that was pretty it's good. A cheap, it's a cheap move. It, that one, that one like fits. It would only been better if it was Striker and I was... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So sort of the online Instagram pundit 
consensus is that Kano carried the movie. I'm going to say no, he did not carry that movie. That's hard no. How about you? So Kano is definitely the funniest part of the film. But to say someone carried the film would somehow suggest that they did something to make the film come together and make it work. And I would say he does not do that. What do you think, Dave? He has a couple of interesting one-liners, but overall, like the humor really fell flat for me. I think that's really this whole film. It just felt like one note. It felt flat the entire way through it. And there's not a lot that was going to save it. I, I don't want to like rag on this anymore. Like, I just don't like it. And I do want to make a point of saying, you know, it's okay to not like a movie. If you love this movie, go out and like watch it and enjoy it. It's not for me though. And I'm probably not going to watch it again. Same here. I don't think it's a good spend of time. So we had a couple questions from our audience. The first one was, who do you think is going to play Johnny Cage in the sequel? Well, Ryan Reynolds apparently tweeted a picture of himself as Johnny Cage the other day. Maybe he's pushing for that, or maybe other people are pushing for him to be Johnny Cage. He would make a really good Johnny Cage, I think. I think any movie that he's in, though, becomes a Ryan Reynolds movie. So it'd be hard to put him <laughs> into the sequel, and like, because he would immediately become the, the biggest star in it. Maybe that's what the film franchise needs. Well, there are rumors that they were working on a Johnny Cage solo movie. If they did a Johnny Cage solo movie with Ryan Reynolds... 100% in. Other than that, like I don't have any idea of who's going to play Johnny Cage. I just don't know enough about stunt coordinators and MMA to, to give you a great, great thing. It would be hilarious, though, if they had like Timothy Chalamet, like completely not, <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, not prepared. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Then the, the second question was, what characters did we want to see in this movie that didn't show up? Johnny Cage. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, he's the main one. Like, was that a mistake not having him? I don't think they had enough money. And honestly, he didn't need to be in the film either, I don't think. It's probably okay. I think if you were to ask me what characters to show, I would say on the villain side of things, you kind of picked more obscure B Mortal Kombat villains for the most part, other than maybe Melina. We got a hint at who Baraka was in one of flashback scenes. But I feel like they probably could have done a little bit more to show other characters that are villains. Uh, you know, what did you think? All the villains they had in here, other than the Goro, I, I really don't care about. <laughs> Let's be honest, like, there's not a lot of villains I actually want to see. Like, I want to see Goro, and I want to see Baraka, and, like, that's it. <laughs> like, but I didn't care about the, the vampire lady, like. You're right. The characters weren't very interesting. I actually, when we're on the on Garo, like everyone's like, "Oh, this this scene was so good." That scene was bad, really bad. Cole Young's power is to take a beating and then redirect that power into punches. That's the wow. worst. That's the worst power in in Mortal Kombat history. And there's some really bad powers. <laughs> Let's move on from this. Let's talk about some production notes in the future. Joe Taslam signed up for four movies. That is the guy who played Bihan. Didn't he die? He did, but Bihan becomes Noob Sabat. And and I read an interview with him, and he's pitching a Sub-Zero prequel where it's both Bihan and Bihan's brother uh, learning to be assassins for Lin Kuei. I'm rolling my eyes so hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a sequel. I don't want a prequel. I, I don't want another one of these. Uh, maybe a standalone Johnny Cage again. I don't even know about that. Okay, go ahead. And then Greg Russo, he's the writer. He's essentially Hollywood's video game writer. He, he wrote something for Space Invaders. <laughs> like I read an interview with him. He said he didn't include Johnny Cage because he thought Johnny Cage and Kano were too similar and you'd have two humorous characters in the movie. Sure. Yeah, I whatever. 
like good for this guy for making money, man, and like getting his thing produced, but I am not happy with this movie. And then my final point, I am very happy to finally get to see Scorpion and Sub-Zero fight. So John, I'm not in all the other games, right? I haven't seen all the other movies and TV shows. So it, it, that was one thing I was excited about seeing. Though I'm going to say it did feel like they centered the entire movie around having that happen. For me, I'm kind of like, as a fan, as a person who plays these games, I'm like, I don't need to see it again. Like, let's let's do something new. I wanted to see this movie. I wanted it to be interesting and exciting. Uh, I think I said in the movies that I wanted to see this year, this was one I was looking forward mm-hmm. to. So I was disappointed by it. I was rooting for it. And I, I didn't even have high expectations, but this somehow was below my expectations. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy not to have very high expectations and, and not meet them. It's not hard to do a martial arts fighting movie, right? Like what I wanted to see was like dare, like the daredevil hallway scene. I wanted something like that. Yeah. We did not get that shit. <laughs> I kind of knew as soon as I had heard they introduced a character who wasn't in the game already that the movie was going to be terrible. Just like, oh God, they've screwed it up hard. <laughs> Your butt cheeks clench. Oh no. I was just like, hmm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew that too. I was being hopeful, holding out. I was like, maybe this will work. Maybe this is, he's just like a minor character. He's, he's like the main character. Basically they're like, he's going to go on to win the tournament. And you're like, this guy sucks. <laughs> he's like so boring too. Like he's the oh. least exciting of anything they could have possibly done. Let's wrap this up. Let's talk about what's next. Hopefully not a sequel. Not a sequel. I, I mean, I think there is going to be a sequel. Like this movie is going to get a sequel. Uh, we will not be covering that. Um, yeah, sorry for speaking for you. <laughs> but what's next for the pod? We're going to do The Hurt Locker. And that stars our boy, Jeremy Renner. And Anthony Mackie. Oh, Anthony Mackie's in it? I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. I have not seen this movie. I know very little about it. I'm excited to watch it. I But I'm more excited to talk about talk about Jeremy Renner and how weird this dude is why do you think jeremy renner is a weird dude i mean he has his own app he's a musician like he just seems like a guy what is his app about it's the jeremy renner app it crashed immediately when it went out uh i'm gonna let you look that up uh i don't want to spoil it for you i have no i have no idea what the jeremy yeah 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 he feels like a guy who's not really on the internet for some reason I guess. Anyway, that's our next movie. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can contact us at john at awardwinners.com or david at awardwinners.com. You can follow us on Instagram where we do movie reviews and movie memes. And if you're so inclined, we would love a five-star review on... Everything. Everything. We would love a five-star review on everything. If you want to walk outside your door, tag your apartment and just write Award Wieners Rocks, we'd appreciate that. <laughs> Get out of here! 